0: So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 10.27 a.m. Central Standard Time. It is the 6th of March 2020. This is Episode 211 of Bitcoin (sighs) and... not help it, bro. Could not help it one single bit. Haven't had music on here in a while and that blows. Plus, I got into a discussion with Vlad, our vampire dude that used to write for Bitcoin Magazine. I don't know what he's doing now. Uh, He's doing something. I know he's got a podcast uh, and I rather enjoy listening to Vlad tear, tear people up on his podcast. But yeah, Vlad Costa and me kind of started talking about Pink Floyd and all kinds of stuff and the next thing i know we're talking about coverdale page and i'm like god dang it yeah now now i gotta do it i i gotta do it so i done did it all right now so uh, uh i bitch a lot you guys know that and apparently i bitched and fintech frank answered he dm'd me his article that was behind the blocks paywall that i was crying and moaning about the other day which I thought was pretty cool on Frank Shapiro's part. He's one of the writers for the Block Crypto. I still don't like the Block Crypto and I'm never going to like the Block Crypto as long as Dudas is behind that publication. But I do like Frank. And I know a lot of people don't like Frank, but I do like Frank, so eh, do with that what you will. Um, uh, I will say that uh, I thought, like I said, I thought it was pretty damn cool that Frank went out of his way to copy that uh, article that was behind a paywall and just DM it to me. Now, I'm not going to read it. It was something that I wanted to read. So I had to read something else uh, for you guys. Well, I mean, I wanted to read it only because it's Frank. I didn't want to read it because it is Block Crypto. And I have major, I'm sorry, but I got major problems with Block Crypto. Um, And um, I just wanted to say, that, even though that there can be people that are working for outfits that we really don't like, I have to be truthful with myself and therefore you guys that when somebody does me a solid like Frank did, I got to say thank you. So that thank you is that well, thanks, Frank. I, I appreciate that. Um, and also, it's possible that we may be losing one of our own out of the uh, Bitcoin Twitter sphere. It appears, according to Bitcoin Rat, that he may be retiring from Twitter next week. He says he's sad to go. He will miss you all. If you don't know who Bitcoin Rat is, it's at Bitcoin Rat. And he's been pretty silent as of late, probably, I don't know, for the last six months, but he used to be all over Bitcoin Twitter with some of the greasiest, uh, nastiest takes that you could ever possibly get. Um, about shitcoinery. If you're a shitcoiner, you're probably not going to like Bitcoin Rat. Uh, He is pretty much one of the OG maximalists if there ever was one. And if it is true that Bitcoin Rat is going away, I have to say sayonara, bro. It's been real. It's also been fun. And honestly, I kind of hope you reconsider. I also hope that this is a giant joke and we all got got. All right, so... That's going to do it for the community news. Let's blow on into the snooze you can use. It's morning roundup number one. We're going with Christina Combin writing for Bitcoinist.com sometime this morning. Uh, Christina says, Bitcoin could be a spaceship for many Americans, according to Binance US CEO. Oh, well, let's see what this shit's about. Um, Using Nasdaq as her platform, Binance U.S. founder and CEO Catherine Coley commented on the state of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency adoption in the U.S. Coley points out that the United States has typically been viewed as a world leader in innovation and entrepreneurship. (laughs) However, it is greatly lagging behind when it comes to cryptocurrency adoption. That's because when you're... Giving somebody something that they don't need, know that they need at the moment that they need it, chances are good they're not going to recognize what it is. I believe that that's what's going on. As long as Visa and MasterCard work and it's like, you know, you're not paying... Apparently, I think the price of a loaf of bread would have to be 20 bucks before Americans actually get it through our thick skulls that something is horribly wrong. Yeah, until that time comes... I'm not looking at the West for adoption. I'm just not. They, we should. I mean, it's, within, it's in our best interest to ad- adopt this as fast as humanly possible. But I'm, I'm just, I'm not holding cards for that, bro. I'm just not because everything works here. We don't know what it's like to live in a second or third world shithole. We just don't. Most of us anyway. Some of us do. And I'm glad that I don't know what it's like to live in a second or third world shithole. Um, I, I've got to be honest. I'm glad that I don't. However, I'm looking at, oh my God, what was it? Uh, bonds, bond prices. I looked at bond prices this morning. And no, I'm not an economist, man. You know, I'm also, this is not investment advice. But when I see like sub 1% on all bonds everywhere that I look and a couple... The 30-year bond for Germany is like negative, and J- Japan's bonds are are negative yielding. When I see this, I'm I don't understand. I mean, I still don't get why it is that you're not at least putting one percent into you know Bitcoin and also precious metals. I like I said, I've never had a problem with precious metals. The problem with precious metals is if you've got a bail, how the hell are you going to take it with you and keep it safe? especially if you're getting searched at border crossings or some such shit like that. So anyway, let's get back into this one. While there are many crypto enthusiasts in the States, she says that adoption is pitifully low, quote, while 55% 55 of Americans own stocks, only about 6% own Bitcoin. On top of that, an overwhelming number of Americans, 68%, say they do not own and do not plan to buy Bitcoin in the future that's around 200 million people writing off Bitcoin before they've even given it a chance, Coley sees the reason for this as a huge misunderstanding gap that is fueled by the mass media. They create a narrative around cryptocurrencies that constantly link them with criminals or talk about their lack of intrinsic value. There is a great lack of decent educational material and crypto advocates. Quote, To many Americans, Bitcoin could be a spaceship. End quote. Moreover, the media constantly evades the fact that people have paid for sketchy, illegal, and immoral products and services since the beginning of time, only they used cash, end quote. Jesus. Uh, Another quote here. We need more journalists inside and outside of crypto to recognize the value of crypto and look for ways to educate consumers without bias with thorough research, end quote. Uh, Now, this section is labeled, Bitcoin is where real money goes to die. Despite the fact that even Bloomberg recognized Bitcoin as the best performing asset of the decade, the narrative that Bitcoin is an investment where real money goes to die remains. This is largely fueled by long-term investors such as Warren Buffett and misinformed public figures at the highest of levels. This, Coley points out, is a great shame since investors could take advantage of diversifying their portfolios when the traditional markets go down. Unfortunately for Americans, she says, it isn't only cryptocurrency that many people are uninformed about. In fact, only 17% of Americans have a financial advisor. I'm going to stop right there. Uh, A financial liar. I've heard this said by a couple of people that I listen to. Man, I mean, just because you've got a financial advisor does not mean that you are anywhere close to in to being good. You actually have to have a good financial advisor. Please don't go to the retail markets. I don't know where to find these guys that are actually good and, you know, do stuff like, I don't know, rebalance your portfolio, uh, sell things when they're up so that you can buy other things when they're down. And by the end of the year, they just come and come to you and say, I made you 33% this year or 8%. Here, here. I, I made you money this year. I want a little bit of that money that I made for you back so that I don't starve. That's the kind of financial advisor I want. And all the ones that I've ever been affiliated with in the past has basically been a bank account. Well, at least it didn't go down. You know, that's the. I, I don't want that as a financial advisor. So if anybody could hook me up with somebody who knows what the F they're doing, please let me know. Okay. So, quote, Americans don't just have a crypto literacy problem; they have a financial literacy problem. And quote. She concedes to the fact that Bitcoin has come a long way. In the early days, it was limited to people with a knowledge of coding and encryption, but this is no longer the case. Today, everyday Americans can buy cryptocurrency with a debit card. However, quote, that development only happened within the last year, end quote. All is not lost for mass adoption, however. But Coley says we need clearer regulation, more outspoken advocates to educate and share their experiences. Adoption in the United States is slowly starting to rise. Quote, in the last year, the number of Americans who own a cryptocurrency has almost doubled from 7.95% to t- in 2018 to 14.4% in 2019, an increase of 81% in one year. Coley said that Binance US started out of the need for a United States native exchange that understands the nuances of the American crypto landscape and has seen some impressive results. However, there's a long way to go before the United States will fully enjoy the benefits of being a crypto-positive country. uh, That's in quotes. Crypto-positive country. God, please, please don't, please don't repeat that. God forbid that that becomes a freaking meme. Okay, because that's just dumb. This is, I don't know, there's a lot of juvenile stuff in here. I pro- I know, I'm sorry. I, I don't mean to be mean, but there's a, there's a lot of stuff in here. One is the fact that just because somebody buys, quote, crypto, doesn't actually mean anything at all other than you're probably going to get wrecked because 99.999% of this space is pure, 100% unadulterated garbage. It is filled with scammers, cheaters, liars, fraudsters, the most unscrupulous of snake oil salesmen. I could go on, but I won't. Let's get into this whole India deal. Uh, now, yesterday I said something, you know, wrote, told you guys about um, <clears throat> India, uh, kind of the, their Supreme Court, you know, doing something at least sensible and, you know, lowering their ban. And apparently that's pissed uh, their Reserve Bank off. Because Liam Frost from Decrypt.co is writing, as of today, India's central bank looks to reinstate its crypto ban. The Reserve Bank of India is not happy with the Supreme Court lifting its blanket ban on cryptocurrency. All I can see at this point, people, is a Mortal Kombat GIF that just says fight. Yep, 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 yep. The Reserve Bank of India intends to file a review petition with the Supreme Court asking to reinstate a circular that restricts cryptocurrencies in the country. The central bank is concerned that lifting the ban could pave the way for trading in virtual currencies and put the banking system at risk. Oh... Oh. Yeah, I, no, I'm not going to change your diaper, dude. Economic Times reported today, citing close sources close to the situation. On March the 4th, India's Supreme Court overturned the RBI's ban on crypto, once again allowing digital asset exchanges to operate in the country. Executives from the crypto industry were unsurprisingly optimistic about the ruling, which opened up a major market for cryptocurrencies for the first time in two years. Now... It looks like the RBI wasn't too happy with the outcome. However, legal experts claim that the central bank's petition most likely won't impact the status of the cryptocurrency platforms in India. Quote, Supreme Court may look at the RBI's review petition, but as of now, the cryptocurrency platforms can operate in India. Abashik Rastogi, partner of law firm Kaitan and company, told Economic Times. Almost didn't get out of that one. Many companies have even gone bankrupt after the RBI's diktat that they may also look to initiate action in this regard. Oh, please do plug up the India's court system with suing the crap out of the central bank. I would love to see that. That would be hilarious. As Decrypt reported previously on April the 5th, 2018, the RBI barred banks from dealing with any cryptocurrency related company stating that entities regulated by it could not deal with or provide services to, quote, any individual or business entities dealing with or settling virtual currencies, end quote, the lack of banking services made it virtually impossible for local crypto exchanges to process deposits and withdrawals, with many companies shutting down or relocating. Over the past two years, top Indian crypto firms lobbied against the RBI's decision, fighting it out in the Supreme Court, News of the ban's lifting prompted a surge in the price of WRX, the native token of WazirX, an Indian crypto exchange recently acquired by Binance. Yes, because they're just like Binance is like a black hole at this point. It just sucks everything in. So, what to say about this? I'm just waiting for circular economies to pop up because the only way that you can decouple from on and off ramps is to just forget about that entire highway system to begin with. And as long as we are as long as we're going to be using those rails, there's always going to be these problems. That's not to say that all the problems evaporate if a if enough of a circular economy comes in line that I can get, let's say, let's say that I can conduct more than half of my daily business in cryptocurrency, or well, in my case, just Bitcoin, because <laughs> you know me. I don't like other shit. So Let's say that I got a circular economy that provides me 60% of my daily, monthly, annual stuff that I got to do. And I don't need an on or off ramp because I'm just trading like pay somebody a lightning payment for eggs. You know, I can pay a bill in, in Bitcoin. The more that that happens, the less and less need, the less and less need for the legacy rails. So, what happens? What exact what does what do the battles look like when over half of somebody's daily business can be ducted in Bitcoin? It I, I'm I'm hoping I'm kind of hoping that it pisses a lot of people off. Eh, maybe not, but I'll tell you who is pissed off is uh, probably Bitcoin ABC. Bitcoin Cash will avoid chain split as mining tax dies. Yeah, you think it's dead, but probably not. Crypto Briefings, Oswath Balakrishnan, I think I got that right, uh, is writing sometime yesterday, Bitcoin Cash is on track to avert a chain split after a proposal that would force miners to contribute part of their earnings to BCH development loses critical support. After Bitcoin ABC, the dominant Bitcoin Cash No Client announced that they are hard-coding the proposal for a minor tax in their next upgrade. Jiang Zhu, CEO of BTC Top and the original proposer of the tax, said that he would vote against the proposal using his personal hash power of 3,500 petahashes per second, which represents about 3% of the network hash rate at press time. The proposal was set to go live. If 66% of network hash power voted for it, Roger Ver and other high-profile mining groups were listed as supporters. Some of these initial supporters wavered after public backlash, unless you're Roger Ver and flat-ass lied that you never signed the agreement. And we're pretty sure that he did, but continuing, uh, well, here we go. For example, Roger Ver later contested that claim that he signed his support bullshit, saying he was never contacted about the issue bullshit. The Bitcoin Cash founder later went on to publicly oppose the tax, saying the potential for a community schism was too high. Oh, so now now you're crying about it. Oh, now, now, you've now that it's your shit chain, now you have a problem. You didn't seem to care about everybody else two years ago, but now feel the burn, baby, feel the burn. Now, after seeing the division in Bitcoin Cash's community Zura seems to have accepted that this proposal will do more bad than good. Jeez, these people. Taxing miners a portion of their block reward was meant to fund developers and improve Bitcoin Cash's infrastructure. Instead, the proposal turned into the biggest catalyst for the community to rally since the Bitcoin SV fork. It is expected that other big miners will take note of the loss of support and reject the proposal, keeping the community intact. So what happens to Bitcoin ABC. Well, Bitcoin ABC declared support for the proposal and went on to announce the upgrade would be included in their latest release. It has been confirmed that the new version of the client supporting the miner tax has already been released, said Bitcoin ABC. The mining tax was set to be implemented only after a majority of hash power voted for it, so the new client upgrade only activates the funding proposal if the requisite amount of hash power votes for it. Nodes have the option of switching from Bitcoin ABC to Bitcoin Unlimited, a node client that vehemently opposed the proposal from the beginning. Data shows that the support for the Bitcoin ABC client has been quickly trending down for years and its latest stance may accelerate the decline. Going forward, when the proposal fails, it is expected that Bitcoin ABC will lose support pushing Bitcoin Unlimited's client to gain a majority share over the network. This would result in a conclusive defeat for the minor tax. Well, I mean, even though that we're talking about a shit chain here, what did you expect? I mean, you were going to put in a tax. You were gonna tax your own bros. Jeez, what? You think that they were gonna say thank you? (laughs) It's amazing. China to launch its first blockchain undergraduate degree degrees on the blockchain bro. China's Ministry of Education has approved the country's first blockchain engineering undergraduate degree at Chengdu Information Engineering University. This is by Daniel Phillips. He's writing for Decrypt.co sometime yesterday. China's Ministry of Education has approved the country's first blockchain engineering undergraduate degree Students will get to grips with the fundamentals of blockchains. In addition to the practical applications of the technology and more, according to a March 4th report by China News, the second largest state-owned news agency in China, Chengdu Information Engineering University will offer majors in blockchain engineering alongside other other tech-based degrees in 2020. The new course appears to have been created to cater to growing demand in the blockchain sector, as an increasing number of young towns look to gain experience in, link, in what LinkedIn describes as the most in-demand hard skill of 2020. As part of the course, students will gain an understanding of the basic theory behind shit chain technology, learn how they are designed and developed, and learn how they can be sold to unwitting people and you can dupe them out of all of your money. That's clearly not exactly what Decrypt said, but I'm ad-libbing, so... Although the full course structure and syllabus has not been released, it appears the course is designed to ready students to design and implement blockchain solutions and manage their own projects. Students will be able to apply for the course later this year, though it is unclear when the course will begin teaching people to steal money. Last year, Chinese President Xi Jinping announced plans to ramp up blockchain development and education in China in order to position the country as a world leader in the field of shitcoinery. Although several Chinese universities already offer postgraduate courses surrounding blockchain technology, the introduction of an undergraduate course would help younger students get up to speed with the technology. As such, China could soon find itself with a pool of young blockchain-literate blockchain developers. (laughs) Blockchain-literate blockchain blockchain developers. Ready to help China take center stage in the blockchain arena. Oh God, please stop it. Uh, Oh God. Uh, Okay. Stop it. Just literally stop it because this is just, oh, I can't. It's almost hard to, to read things like this. When I see blockchain the word mentioned that many times in a single news article. It makes me just cringe. Um, Is it good for Bitcoin? I don't know. Honestly, I don't think it, I don't think Bitcoin gives a shit, but what my problem here is, is that I'm, I'm, I'm not lying. This really sets, sets the stage for people being able to really become shysters. And I know that that is, that's a racist term. I don't mean to use it. Um, but, I don't know of anything else to say. These people people are going to become thieves because they're going to have this tome of information that they can use to spin up whatever lie they want to spin up and then stamp it into a coin saying, see, if you buy this, you'll get rich. When what they're really saying is, if you buy this, I'll get rich because you'll then be poor. That's all this means to me now on the flip side of, of being mean about this. The good news is, I guess that many of the young developers out there are tired of, uh, their job, like they get a web development job or they get a development job at like, I don't know, university or something. And all they end up doing is writing SQL shit and web pages. And making sure that other people's web pages work because they did something to them that that screwed them up. Honestly, I, I watched it happen. There were very, very, very few people that I knew in development at at te- at at my last job at Texas Tech that were really working on something that really fired them up. It was like, oh, I'm going, I'm parsing through this code uh, to find where this this frame is all jacked up. Oh my like, God, you gotta, I mean. And they don't want to, honestly, I don't think many of, there's probably a lot of people who are like, hey, dude, I'm just fine with this. But there's a lot of other people, especially the younger ones who are like going, dude, this isn't even interesting. This isn't even freaking interesting. Blockchain is interesting, all right? So we're going to be fighting a whole new crop. A whole new crop is coming down the pipe, y'all. Be prepared, get ready, because shitcoin, Circus 2.0 is, as it ends, it's not going to stop. We're going to have shitcoin Circus 3.0 and 4.0 and 5.0 because there's now there's jobs being set for it. That's a very dangerous situation in my opinion, but it is only my opinion. Here's what's not going to be opinion, Vital Statistics. Vital statistics. In this particular case, I'm making an addition. This part of the uh, markets is brought to you by CNBC.com. Let me go ahead and refresh this just to make sure. But I figured that I'd probably been remiss not showing like maybe some traditional markets in context or as context for what's going on with Bitcoin. But everything is down except the volatility index, which is way up by God, way up by what is it? A twenty percent change, nineteen point one eight in the VIX. Uh, last was forty-seven point two two with a change of seven point six zero in the volatility index. Whoa! And they thought, and we thought, Bitcoin was volatile. Okay, well, Bitcoin probably out—you know—outpaces this particular VIX. But whatever. Everything else is down. We got the D. The Dow Jones is down by five hundred. It is, by the way, it is eleven o'clock Central Standard Time. Um, yeah, S and P's down by two and a half. Nasdaq two point six. Uh, Dow Jones is down by two percent. is down by three. God, three and a half. Everything's just getting freaking clobbered, man. Uh, and as I had mentioned earlier today, the bonds. Oh my heavens. The U.S. 10-year, 30-year, 5-year, 2-year, 3-months are all down by almost, uh, let's say, like 2% from anywhere between 1% and 2.5%. The the German bun 10-year is actually up 15%. It's actually holding at minus 0.713. Again, for you people that don't understand what kind of danger that we're in, we have the German bond and the Japanese 10-year are at, ne- are, are yielding negative, have been yielding negative for a while. So there's that. Oil is, God, oil took a beating, man. Oil took a damn beating seven. It's down 7.78%. It's last is 42.33, natural gas, gold, gold, gold's getting clobbered too, man. Although, well, okay, it's only down 0.1 Zero point one five percent. So yeah, it's holding at sixteen hundred and sixty five. But yeah, God, oh man, it's just a bloodbath out there, people. So getting into the stuff that we really do like, Bitcoin is at nine thousand sixty seven. We have a high over at Bit Asset at nine thousand one hundred and forty nine, and it looks like our low is going to be chilling out over at Hit BTC at nine thousand and thirty nine dollars. 327,000 transactions in the last 24 hours, giving us 14,000 transactions on average per hour. Uh, Sub-1 million BTC were sent over the last 24 hours, giving us 38,000 BTC being sent on average per hour. Average transaction value of those transactions is 2.79 BTC, while the median value is 0.036 BTC, or about 330 bucks U.S. Block times have stabilized at 9 minutes, 52 seconds, so we're up to where we kind of need to be on the 10-minute block time. 0.17 BTC are being taken in fees on a per-block basis, while almost 25 BTC have been taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. We've lost 6% of the hash rate in the last 24 hours, and that brings us down to 122.9 exahashes per second. So am I sweating it? No. (laughs) Last time no one did dick on Bitcoin was sometime today. Ethereum is 236. Bcash is at 344. BSV is at 242. Litecoin at 62 and change. Ethereum is at 8 and change. Dogecoin got a bump 0.0025. So it's coming back into its own. However, it is, I don't know, man. It's only 28,000 transactions in the last 24 hours. Still beats Litecoin though. Now, MyNode, let's see what MyNode has to tell me today. Uh, God, I need to update my node. I'm I'm working off of a, a like a three-month-old version of, of their software. I need to pay them the 90 the 99 bucks so I can just one click uh, for upgrades. So my node is telling me that we have 115 exahashes per second for the hash rate. We got a pretty beefy mempool, 35 megabytes representing 23, uh, no, make that 24,000 unconfirmed transactions. However, nobody's spacing out on the blocks. At least in the last 10 blocks, every single one of them are full. Now, going to Clark Moody's, uh, that's bitcoin.clarkmoody.com, his dashboard for lightning stuff because 1ml is still freaking out. Uh, We have 885 Bitcoin on the network we have, that represents $8 million in liquidity. The total number of nodes is 6,500, which is probably half of the nodes that 1ML would tell me there was, but there is 36,158 channels that are open. The Tor capacity is 360 of those B, of those 885 BTC, and that represents 40.8% of the network. There are a total of 180 or uh, sorry, 100, 1,872 TOR nodes. And again, this is all about the Lightning Network, which sits on top of the Bitcoin network, because hey, that's just the way it is. Anyway, that's going to do it for Vitals. The team behind CryptoKitties is one step closer to leaving Ethereum. Welcome to part two of the snooze you can use. This is morning roundup part two. And it's kind of actually a slow news day, y'all. So we're going to, we've got to like, you know, <clears throat> tromp through the shit coinery, as it were. However, this is fairly illustrative of the clown circus throwing each other in the dumpster fire that resides under the bus. So this is Coindesk.com's Lee... Okay, I'm going to really try not... Okay, Lee Kuhn is writing for Coindesk.com. Be be calm, David, be calm, be calm. One of Ethereum's early stars is pinning its future hopes to a blockchain of its own making. Sell, sell, sell. <laughs> Dapper Labs, the startup that raised roughly $40 million from VC after its brief success with the CryptoKitties collectible game in, oh God, the late two, 2017, launched a simulator Thursday for its upcoming Flow blockchain. Flow. <laughs> The move positions Dapper Labs among a number of startups looking to build protocols that will unseat Ethereum as the blockchain of choice for a variety of applications. Quote, we built this blockchain because we wanted all, I'm sorry. I'm automatically, I got, we built this city song stuck in my head. And if you don't know what that is, do yourself a favor, Google, we built this city and listen to it in its entirety. And you will forever be cursed with the fact that every once in a while, you're walking around and we built the city just pops in your head. Terrible song, but so catchy. It's just, it's, should be should be criminal. Okay, so we built this blockchain because we wanted a different blockchain to build our games on top of it, said Dapper Labs co-founder Dieter Shirley. The Flow Playground, as the Dapper Labs simulator is called, aims to attract app developers, quote, when you have a new programming domain, it makes sense to have new programming paradigms, Shirley said of the startup's new programming la- language, Cadence. It's a terrible idea. From his perspective, scaling limitations weren't the only reason Dapper Labs switched over from using Solidity, Ethereum's native language. Shirley said, Ethereum's. Forthcoming sharding approach in ETH 2.0 would really limit what you can do with smart contracts. And his team wanted to use a more consumer-oriented platform that can handle gaming volume without clogging the network as CryptoKitties once did to the Ethereum blockchain. Dapper Labs failed to garner sustainable traction with Ethereum-based games following its breakout hit. This week, CryptoKitties attracted fewer than 200 users. According to DAP radar, down from the twenty seventeen peak of fourteen thousand nine hundred and fourteen daily active users. Recent partnerships with sports leagues like the UFC and the NBA suggest mainstream aspirations for the mainstream aspirations for the firm, which helped popularize erc seven twenty one non-fungible token NFT standard. With nearly 100 employees eager for their next big hit, Shirley said the Dapper Labs team is planning a token sale later this year for accredited investors. Oh, dude. The details of which are still unclear. Oh, my. Sell, sell, sell. Uh, my. Blockchains have their own revenue stream as part of them from selling tokens, Shirley said, adding that tokens won't be sold to the public until it's legally prudent to do so pre we do think the financial support for building a blockchain should be separate from funding from the games. The games need to make sense on their own. That's why your games are going to suck because you're not coming from it from the perspective of the game. You're coming at it from the perspective of yet one more shit token on an IPO that you will pre-mine and then release on the unwitting retail public because all you want is to get rich. You don't really give a... I'm. Was I Was I ranting? My, the startup is tapping partners in academia to help road test the new blockchain in the early going. Quote, if Ethereum is blockchain 2.0, then we view flow as version 4.0. We view flow as the blockchain technology for the mass market, Purdue University researcher David Broker. Said, oh, is somebody trying to call me? Oh, thank God. nobody's. I wish somebody was trying to call me to get me out of this goddamn nightmare. David Broker said in explaining why his team will eventually run a flow node, quote, being able to broaden opportunities for faculty and students is incredibly exciting. But inventing a new programming language and a new blockchain structure to boot as Dapper Labs is doing is notoriously fraught. Regardless of how many companies are now creating their own languages associated with token sales, such feats are usually problematic, said independent software developer Yuval Kogman. He pointed to the example of JavaScript, which decades later is still so flawed that it's become a running joke among developers. Quote, designing languages is almost impossibly complex, Krogman said, or Kogman. <clears throat> I can't think of a single programmable or scriptable system. Where this actually went well until the language itself was a central focus, designed with clear principles and requirements in mind. End quote. That's why some Ethereum competitors are taking so long to lay the groundwork and eagerly vying for limited developer mindshare with simulators and, oh, sorry, contests in the meantime. Dapper Labs is hardly alone in this approach. <clears throat> Numerous startups are gunning for Ethereum's throne. So, and now it goes into an example of other people that are doing the same thing. Okay, so here's here's my take on this. The fracturing of cryptocurrency will go on to the point that it ends up being a sand of, or a beach full of sand. Whereas you have like, I mean, the, the erosive powers of this space I mean, this is a weird space. You can burn your reputation inside of 10 seconds in this. You can build it up for 10 years and do and, and automatic, like the, the second that you were deemed hip, like a hypocrite, like Trace Mayer, you burn your reputation to the ground forever. These blockchains are becoming so fragmented that where we once saw great big boulders, we are now seeing the flaking off of all of these communities because I don't know why. I, I was about to say because X, but whatever I give you of a reason of because is going to be wrong. Or it by, or it, even if it is right, it's just a very small part of the picture. So the only thing that I can say about this is is I would expect all of this stuff to grind down to the smallest pieces of sand. And the only thing that will be left will be Bitcoin. And it's because it's, A, because it's not a boulder, and B, because it's the only thing that works, but it's not a boulder, it's the cliff face that's behind us that has graciously given some of itself to form these boulders, which then became sand, which then became a very beautiful beach, that we can sit on sipping fricking my ties on the bodies of our enemies. Oh God, that sounds really bad. I probably shouldn't have said that, but well, whatever. There it is. Coinbase CEO says Bitcoin may lose cryptocurrency race to all coins. Here's why another person in the space has destroyed their reputation. And now all he's Brian Armstrong is good for at this point is running a company, the Coinbase company, into the ground. And even if he doesn't run it into the ground, it's clear to the rest of us that he's just compromised. I'm sorry, but Brian Armstrong, in my opinion, is 100% compromised. I think somebody's got something on him. I think that's why he, I think he hates Bitcoin. Or if, if it's just an act, if he's like just acting this way, It's because somebody's got something on them. And I'm going to go, yeah, I'm putting on the tinfoil hat. I think somebody's got something on them. Why would you hire Neutrino? Why the hell would you hire Neutrino and keep them there? Have we had any validation of his claims that he moved out the the two main guys from Neutrino after the backlash of the fact that they hired Neutrino, a hacking outfit that is complicit in the death of, what's, what's his name, Mushagi? Uh, the the Oh God, the Middle Eastern journalist was uh, tortured and then like dismembered and killed and all that kind of stuff by the Saudi prince. Yeah, that guy, Neutrino's complicit in that and a whole bunch of other stuff. If you weren't compromised, why the hell would you take these people on? And furthermore, why the hell would you keep them there? I don't know, man. I think Brian Armstrong's compromised. Let's go into get into this one, Brian. Oh, I'm sorry. Let's say who wrote it. Oh, Daily Hodel staff, because they never tell us who actually writes things. The Daily Hodel is writing sometime today. Brian Armstrong, CEO of Digital Currency Exchange Coinbase, says a BTC may be surpassed by other digital coins as the crypto industry evolves into maturity. In a series of tweets, Armstrong highlights the parallels between the early internet and cryptocurrency. He says challenges that early internet developers are faced with are comparable to those that hound today's young crypto industry. Quote, at Netscape, they were working with early internet protocols. Things weren't very, very scalable, dial-up modems. You had to be somewhat technical to figure out how to get online, and early websites were pretty basic. Static sites looked like toys. Sound familiar to crypto at all? They figured they'd try making a shopping cart, see if they could build a first-party app. There was no way to save state or create a session, for instance, to make a shopping cart. So they created the concept of cookies. Then next problem was that nobody wanted to put a credit card on into the Internet because everything plain text over HTTP. So they went and invented SSL HTTPS End quote. Okay, I'm going to just stop right there for just a second because I, I want to illustrate something here. If you were around like I was during the time of Netscape, that's, this is not why Netscape failed. Netscape's mistake was suing Microsoft for Microsoft putting their own browser <clears throat> into the Windows operating system as a bundle. Now, when they went up against Bill Gates, and they, they had a case, I, they, they, they did, they had a case but that case was never going to win. You know why? Because Bill Gates was a smart son of a bitch. And when he started compiling a shit ton of money off of the Windows operating system, what he was building out other than his developers, his developer suite, and I'm talking like the guys, you know, the the guys and the gals that came to program for him and solve problems and all that kind of stuff. Yes, Microsoft was spending buku amounts of cash on that, but you know what else they were spending money on? An almost unassailable legal department, and that legal department was charged with crushing the living shit out of Netscape, and they went bankrupt fighting it. There was no coming back from that particular mistake. They probably could have survived as a browser because they did have a lot of tech their only mistake was going up against Bill Gates and not understanding that Bill was a smart son of a bitch that valued his legal department just as much, if not probably a little bit more, than his entire staff of developers. Keep that shit in mind, because Armstrong has got this wrong already. But... He's probably getting more shit wrong. Armstrong says that just as early internet users came up with better web tools, the 11-year-old crypto industry is also gearing up towards new solutions. Quote, Slow internet speeds, dial-up modems reflect early challenges in scaling blockchains. SSL and HTTPS are similar in some of the privacy coin efforts. (laughs) Based on the parallels of the two industry, Armstrong cites the features that digital coins need for the crypto industry to reach mass adoption. Quote, for me, the biggest areas of development I see that I think we need to get right as an industry are scalability. We need blockchains that can get to at least thousands of TPS to get mainstream adoption of crypto, a similar or broadband internet being a big unlock on the web. Does, uh, he can't even, can't even write. Two, Privacy. Perhaps a contrarian view, but I think we'll need privacy coins, just like we needed HTTPS as the default on the web. For many use cases in crypto long-term, everyone deserves access to financial services and financial privacy. Transactions, scalability, and privacy are two features that Bitcoin currently lacks. Daily HODL, you're pissing me off. Because of these deficiencies, Armstrong says there is ultimately an opportunity for an altcoin to become the dominant crypto asset in the future. And they literally just leave it there without any pushback whatsoever. So yeah, Daily HODL, kind of pissing me off on this one, but whatever. Um, yeah, Armstrong's just flat ass wrong because all of this, sh- every single thing that he said is built off of the base Ethernet. That's what we're dealing with. It doesn't doesn't mention that HTTP, uh, all the you know HTTPS, uh, SSL, I mean, all this kind of stuff. It's all latched on to the primary base of Ethernet. That's what Bitcoin is. That's what that the 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 size of the network is freaking huge. This comparison is sorely lacking in any kind of credibility. Because every problem that he's talking about are second, third, and fourth layer solutions that latched on to the base of the internet. Uh, This is why you don't don't go believe in everything that you hear just because the dude is a billionaire. I think, again, I think Brian's compromised. I think he's compromised at the base. I don't see him ever coming back into the fold. Every single dime that he ever made was due to Bitcoin. And yet he shits on it like it's just nothing. And you got to ask yourself, think about it yourself. If you built a business from the ground up, would you shit on your first, the thing that that actually built you? Would you take a giant dump on it? Would you start publicly denouncing that which made you rich? I mean, if I was like, let's say that I made a mint because I decided to start cloning uh, black locust trees, which, by the way, if you don't know why I like black locust trees, they're very useful trees. Okay, I won't get into it now, but very, very useful. And the more people that discover the black locust and why it's so damn useful, Maybe I'm able to capture that entire market all by my lonesome. And I start cloning the living crap out of black locust trees. And I sell them hither and yon to every wide-eyed boy and girl from sea to shining sea and who have bought my entire story, my entire marketing line of why this tree is the basis of the United States. And by the way, it is. It built all the fences, all the telephone poles in the early colonies, well, not the telephone poles, but anything that you needed a pole for that you were gonna shove in the ground, if you didn't want it to rot, you were gonna use black locusts. That and they're straight. Those trees make really straight poles. Oh God, I'm getting off again, I'm sorry. On what planet would I start selling another tree and start talking poorly about my initial product line? Would you do it? Think about anything that that think it right now. Think about something that you if you were didn't have to work at the job that you work at now, if you didn't have to go to your job, everybody loves to work. No, hardly anybody likes their job. It's very rare to like your job. Your job is work, but even if you don't like your job, you like even if you were, you know, hopefully if you were retired, unlike my uncle, you wouldn't be sitting in a chair staring at a wall. You'd be, I don't know, doing something, but it would be work, right? Would you? If you could start a business right now and you built a business off of a couple of products, let's say five years, seven years later, would you turn around and start telling everybody publicly that those products suck? Think about that. Really? I'm serious. Deal good long. Think about that. And, and then start asking yourself questions like, why is Brian Armstrong doing this? Cause unless he's compromised, I don't know. I don't I, unless he got like took a fall or something like that. But Ireland to see first public auction of seized crypto assets. Ooh, nice. Bitcoinist.com's Christina Comben is writing sometime this morning. In what will be the first public auction of seized cryptocurrencies in the Republic of Ireland, Wilson's auction will be placing some $125,000 U.S. worth of BTC under the hammer with no reserve. All the crypto up for grabs by bidders comes from the Belgium federal government. This is not the first time Wilson's Auctions has hosted an auction of Seized Crypto. In fact, the company, which is Ireland and the UK's largest independent auction house. I thought, really? I had no idea. I thought it was that other outfit. Oh, well managed the first public auction of Bitcoin through a private auction company at its head office in Belfast in February of 2019. The stakes this time around were significantly higher, involving some 315 BTC with bidders from more than 90 countries. However, this is the first time that such an auction will take place in the Republic of Ireland. The online auction will be managed from the company's Dublin branch on Tuesday, March 24th, and will run for 24 hours starting at noon, or I'm sorry, 12 noon Greenwich Mean Time. Unlike auctions of this kind to take place in the United States, this one is accessible by many more people. Lots will split into different amounts ranging from 0.25 BTC to 1 BTC. Other cryptos involved include Bitcoin Cash and oh my God, Bitcoin Gold. I totally forgot about that one. Asset Recovery Executive at Wilson's Auctions, Mark Woods, commented, quote, Wilson's Auctions is delighted to be holding its first auction of seized Bitcoin. Sell, sell, sell! Even more so because this will be the first of its kind in Ireland. The format has proven popular with our customers who are able to bid online and purchase cryptocurrency From an established and trusted auction house instead of utilizing online exchanges, which can be a risky and daunting process. He went on to say that the company had offered investors guidance throughout the whole process to allow both newcomers and experienced investors an equal chance for building or bidding. After successfully pulling off the first public online auction of its kind, Wilson's has caught the attention of other law enforcement agencies outside of Belgium. The company's asset recovery director, Aidan Larkin, said, Our asset recovery work has resulted in requests for assistance from various law enforcement agencies, government agencies, and insolvency practitioners. (laughs) Insolvency practitioner. I need a doctor. I need an insolvency practitioner around the world asking for our help managing seized assets, with cryptocurrencies being one of the most prevalent due to the complex requirements of securing it, end quote. He went on to say that working with an extensive network of international experts in this field allowed the company to collaborate and innovate, quote, allowing us to remain at the forefront of this exciting category of assets. Indeed, with more than 80 years of experience in managing auctions of a wide variety of assets from luxury cars to designer goods, uh, Wilson's Auctions now proudly adds seized crypto assets to its list. To date, the company has realized over $130 million worth of seized assets for law enforcement agencies, insolvency practitioners, and governor, government agencies. Uh, if you want to take part in the upcoming fire sale, you'll need to pre-register here at least 24 hours before the event with a minimum of 500 euro deposit for a buyer number i said oh lord jesus it's a fire oh it's a fire sale man it's a complete fire sale all right that's gonna do it for part two and will be the end of the snooze you can use it's the morning roundup bro All right, Daily Trainwrecked. Today is going to be brought to you by uh, Randy McMillan. Thank you, Randy, for sending me this. This is an old one, and it also has nothing to do with Bitcoin, nor does it have anything to do with any kind of shit coinery. No, this is 100% political in nature, and I know I shouldn't do this to you, but it's just too freaking good, man. It's also, like I said, it's old, this is from twenty nineteen. So almost a full year. It's April April the twenty-sixth of twenty nineteen. And it is from the manifestation of the mind of David Hogue or Hogg. I can't I don't know how to pronounce his damn name. And if you don't know who David Hogg is, he's the guy that gets triggered every single time that a gun goes off. Because apparently he was a student at one of the high schools that got shot up. And, you know, I'm. it's not like I'm for a high school or any school whatsoever getting shot up. But this dude has made a career on the tragedy. I don't like him. I don't like what he stands for. The guy is a scumbag because he is making bank on the dead bodies of his compatriots. So screw this guy. But he's whining, bitching and moaning and soiling his diapers, apparently over a tweet that the vice president, Mike Pence, who triggers many people, by the way, I mean, I'm not no fan of Pence or any of these guys, as you know, but still I do appreciate my second amendment rights. I do appreciate being to defend, you know, the ability to defend myself, my own, my property, my family and all that kind of thing. Uh, with my Second Amendment rights, but David Hogg doesn't believe that I need them, okay? So, Pence says something about, I don't know, the second, second Amendment shall not be infringed. And then, of course, this triggers and causes some bedwetting for David Hogg, who writes back and says, remind me, how many AR-15s did Jesus own? Time for no, no, I ain't got time for this shit, man. You know why? I can answer that question really easily. Jesus owned the exact same number of AR-15s that the Roman military did at the time. They had exactly the same amount. I mean, it was, it was amazing that the arms dealers at the time had absolutely the same amount of AR-15s to sell to the entire Roman military as they did... To Jesus Christ, which was zero. Zero, that's right. Zero. Nobody had AR-15s, David, because it was like I don't know the going from the the you know the time scale of before common era to uh, the common era BCE to CE, which we used to call before Christ. And after death, we used to call this shit BC. Like it would be 100 BC was before, uh, Jesus. And like we used to say like twin, like it would be the year 2020 AD or ante dominum or after the dominion of Christ. Also people used after death, but they were referring to Jesus Christ. I, I just, I I cannot, this guy's got a blue check just like Mike Pence. And he actually asked the question of how many AR-15s did Jesus own? Yeah, yeah, there's your smoldering pile right over here. All right, coming up on the one hour mark. That's right, guys, I actually had to get into my doll and mark off 30 minutes, one hour, and an hour and a half uh, so that I could keep like a visual cue of how far I'm going. Why? <laughs> I'll tell you why. I went an hour and 44 minutes yesterday. Oh, my God. I'm really sorry about that. Um, I, I know some people appreciate long ones, like, you know, and n- whether for me or other people or whatever. I know I do. I love two-hour podcasts. I, I don't know why, but I dig them. But, dude, no, it's kind of not cool. So, again, my apologies for running that long. That was a little bit ridiculous. So, now I've got, like, some visual cues. So, we're just passing the one-hour mark. We need some humor. Let's look to dad. Hey, dad, what do you got for me, bro? Because mystical dad joke comes right here. My girlfriend just couldn't accept my obsession with horoscopes. In the end, it tore us apart get it? Taurus? It tore us apart? T-A-U-R-U-S, whatever. Okay. Yeah. Horrible, horrible, horrible joke, but yeah. What, what are you going to do? It's, uh, it's, I've been told that I, I tell dad jokes like a boss. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. Um, let's, I'm going to, before we end this one, I promised that I would give you guys an update into, uh, the chicken thing going on and I'm going to do that right now, but let me get my uh, ducks in a row for a sec. All right, here we go. So as you know, um, my daughter developed an interest in, uh, having some backyard chickens and she's 10 years old. And I thought it would probably be a damn fine idea to go ahead and, and let this get done because I kind of wanted to have some chickens too. Um, I, it, uh, I said it yesterday. I'm not going to rehash it, but a lot of places will allow you to have backyard chickens as long as you don't have a rooster. Uh, some people don't. You got to check with your local authorities to make sure that nobody department of making you feel freaking miserable isn't going to come up and, and ask you questions and stuff. But I wanted to make sure that you understood where you know that where we were in the process. We don't have a single ch- live chicken anywhere on the property right yet. Okay, but we have to prepare for it. Um, and what we did yesterday is we went out and got roughly half of what we needed to have in place before the chickens ever even saw the inside of this house. So what is that? Well, it's a brooder. Um, and a brooder basically is a think, think system, not like a single thing. It's like a system of things because you got to keep these little guys, little guys warm before you, you know, while you're raising them because they, you get them as chicks. Okay, it's not like you're hatching your own damn eggs. You can, but just probably just wanna go get some chicks, which is what we're going to do this afternoon. But by the time they get here, uh, a brooder is gonna be set up for them. So what does that include? Well, it includes, in our case, it's going to be an already purchased uh, tub, like a plastic tub with fairly high walls. And because they're so small, I don't mind that I'm going to have way less than one square foot or or two square foot for per chicken, because we're going to get like between five and ten. Probably not going to get ten, but somewhere but somewhere around there, okay? Um and For right now, a small vessel is fine, but what you want to make sure of is that they cannot jump over the wall and start walking around. They need to be kept in their little place because if they can get out and get away from the heat lamp, they're going to either die or become so stressed out that as they grow into adults, that stress will have, you know, muted their their growth pattern and you'll end up with, even though the chicken is alive, doesn't necessarily mean that the chicken is all healthy, right? Okay, so... For the brooder, you need a plastic tub of some kind that's not going to crowd the chicks. So think 20 bucks. okay? How high should the walls be? Well, they should probably be, oh, I don't know, at least a foot. If not, ours is going to be about a foot and a half to two feet is how high the walls are. That makes me feel a little bit safer. I would not get like half a foot. I wouldn't go anything anywhere close to that, much less lower. So think twenty bucks. All right. Now for the rest of it, we have. Um, let's see. Ah, you will need a clip-on thermometer. Why? Because you need to make sure that the environment inside the brooder, which doesn't have to have a lid. Okay. Just you. In fact, you don't want a lid. You're gonna, and for reasons you'll you'll understand here in a second but you're gonna need a thermometer to make sure that at least the first week of your brooder is at 95 degrees Fahrenheit. That is $5.50 according to Tractor Supply. Uh, You will need a waterer as well as a, uh, let's see. Yeah, you will need a watering thing as well as a feeding thing. You can get these at Tractor Supply. Each one of these costs $4.50. Okay. So what is it? So a water is just a little font that you screw in like a ball. like, it'll accept a ball jar, like a, a ball, uh, canning jar, or you can buy the plat like we did where you can buy the plastic one that, that can come with it. You fill it up with water. You hold, keep it upside down. So the water doesn't spill out of it. And then you put the font on there, screw it on, and then you turn it back right side up and there's always water there. You always want to make sure the water is clean. That means you got to check on these little guys like four or five, six times a day for at least the first couple of weeks, okay? To make sure they're not soiling their water because you don't that'll make them sick. You also want to make sure that they don't, you know, they're not drowning in their font, so you got to get the the font that is for chicks, not chickens. We're talking about babies here, people, babies. The same thing for their food bowl. It's the exact same thing it looks exactly the same thing but it's designed a little bit different because instead of handling liquids it's handling food in this case chick feed again chicks not chickens there's a difference these are babies right but it's the same deal you fill up the 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 little ball jar you hold the the little pan that that it screws onto upside down you screw it on the ball jar And then you turn it back over right side up and the food falls out. And as they pull food from this thing, it just kind of feeds itself. And you need to make sure that they have food all day, all night long. They cannot run out of food. They also can't overeat. So at least for the first week, throw the whole notion of measuring out their food out the window and just make sure that they have food all the freaking time. So again, we're up to like what? 45, 46 bucks. (laughs) You will need a heat lamp, and that's going to include one of those red bulbs that you see maybe at FURS or like a restaurant that's a heat lamp that heats up food. They used to always be red. Now you see the white ones, get the red ones. I've just heard that it's just better for them. I don't know why. I don't care, but I'm going with people that have more experience than I do. That is 8 bucks. all right? And then the brooder lamp is what clearly what the bulb screws into. Get a clip on and they, they should sell them that they, will they, they sell them at tractor supply. All this stuff comes from tractor supply. You will need the lamp. You screw the bulb into the lamp. You plug it in, you point it down into the brooder. You make sure that it's not down far enough into the brooder that the chicks can get up against the bulb because if they do, they will die. So don't do that shit. And while you're adjusting or while you're doing all this stuff, Keep an eye on the temperature gauge that you have thoughtfully put into the brooder along with their food and water, okay? Now, so far, with all that said and done, that is the majority of the shit that we need for the chickens as far as the brooding part of the chickens. And we are at dollars, minus minus $5 for candy. Sorry, guys, I know what you think. I'm destroying my children's pancreas. But, dude, they put them at the register. You you don't think they do that for a reason? Of course, they're doing it for a reason. So you damn kids see it. And they won't shut up until you give them a freaking Hershey bar, okay? So yeah, I, gave, I bought five bucks worth of candy, okay? That's what it costs. So, so far we're in for $53.90 somewhere thereof. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I have this other receipt because I'm making my daughter keeper receipts so that she can add all this stuff up we need shavings you need bedding okay the bottom of the brooder whatever vessel you find whether you buy it or you already have it and also if you already have it make sure it's clean scrub the crap out of the inside of it give it maybe wipe it down with some bleach solution let it completely dry and then maybe wipe it with water again just to make sure that all the bleach is off then you need to put like an inch to maybe, I think an inch of shavings is probably good for the little guys. As they get bigger, you'll want more bedding. You will need to clean this out at least once a day, which means you got to pull everything out of the brooder, including the chicks, put them into like a little holding pen, and then go empty out and clean out the brooder and then fill it back up with clean shavings and put the chicks back in and their water and their food and the thermometer and make sure that the heat lamp is over and heating heating the environment all the way down to the bottom to 95 degrees for the first week, 90 degrees for the second week. And then you go down basically from there. I'm thinking by the third week, uh, depending on how big they are, you could probably go a little colder until they finally get out onto pasture. Anyway, so a bale of pine flake shavings from Tractor Supply costs $6.50. So what we're in for, oh, yeah, we're in for $60, all right, for just the brooder stuff. We'll talk about the coop and the other stuff later because that's where the real expense gets in. But for right now, that should be all you need. So if you're going to get chickens in your backyard, do this. Go to Tractor Supply. And the neat thing about Tractor Supply is at the register during the month of March when they do Chick Days, um, you can find a sheet of paper that is like a Chick Days checklist. They might call it a Chick List. I'm not sure. Um, I'm sure that would trigger several social justice warriors, so they probably don't want to uh, die from the cancel culture shit. So it's probably not called that. But they have a checklist that has all this stuff that you need on it. Go to the register, ask them for the checklist for chick days. They will give it to you. It's very helpful. All right. So with all that said, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.